Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning, an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. Hey everybody, this is See It To Be It, the Wednesday podcast from Living Corporate. Living Corporate is a digital media network that centers and amplifies black and brown people at work. My name is Amy C. Wanninger and I'm the host of See It To Be It. When I was growing up in rural Southern Indiana, I didn't know people who went to college or who worked in professional roles. I didn't know what those jobs looked like or how to break into them. In many cases, I didn't even know those jobs existed. But this show isn't about me, it's about the guests. Every week, I bring you career stories from everyday role models in jobs you may not know exist. More importantly, the folks I interview share their perspectives as black and brown professionals in jobs and environments where they may be the only. My guest today is Mike Vini. Mike is a former professional drummer turned professional speaker and mental health expert. He's also does diversity and inclusion training, and he sort of weaves all of this together um, into some amazing uh, results. But before we get to the interview, we're going to tap in with Tristan for some career advice. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan. Today, let's talk about the LinkedIn Open to Work Profile Picture Emblem. Lately, I've been getting quite a few questions about my thoughts on the LinkedIn Open to Work Emblem, so I figured I would share them here. For those of you who don't know, LinkedIn now allows job seekers to put a green emblem on their profile picture that notifies everyone on the platform that they're looking for a job. Before I get into my thoughts, let's talk about the logic behind why people use the emblem. Right now, we are in unprecedented times. Many people have lost their jobs and are trying whatever method they can to get employed again. Job seekers who utilize the emblem do so in hopes that others will connect them to opportunities. Personally, I'm not a fan of it at all, and after talking to a few recruiters and hiring managers, I'd suggest you not utilize the emblem. Here's why. It comes off as desperate and gives no one wants to hire me vibes. Studies tell us that companies prefer what are called passive candidates, meaning people who are already employed. The banner calls attention to the fact that you aren't currently employed and can easily backfire based on that same research. There are more tactful and strategic ways to express that you're seeking employment that will yield much better results than putting a banner on your LinkedIn profile or even putting it in your headline. Now, I'm not saying you can't find a role using the feature, but the question is if you will land the role you want at the companies you want to work for. If you're adamant about using the feature, I suggest choosing the option that only allows those who have a recruiter profile on LinkedIn to see that you are looking and not the whole platform. Thanks for tapping in with me this week. Talk to you next week, same time, same place. 
This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Welcome back to See It To Be It. My guest today is Mike Vini as a certified corporate wellness specialist. Mike's presentations move past simply educating an audience to providing them with actionable steps they can take to change their lives and work environments. His reputation as a dynamic speaker provides confidence and peace of mind for meeting planners everywhere. The mission of his company, Mike Vini Inc., is to support you in receiving the gift of emotional wellness through unique learning experiences designed to empower your personal and professional growth. The International Association for Continuing Education and Training has awarded his company the prestigious accredited provider accreditation for its continuing education programs. I met Mike at a National Speakers Association national convention. He was sitting next to an empty chair, and that was all I needed to introduce myself. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello, Amy, and thank you for having me, and it was great to meet you. Likewise, I I love your story. I can't wait to get into this uh, with my audience and and uh, kind of help them learn more about you and what you do. You are, you know, one of the things that we talked about at National Speakers Association, uh, one of the kind of the key themes this year was this notion of it must be nice, right? It must be nice to be whatever you are as a speaker and have that to market yourself. And one of your things that that I think of when I think about that is that you're a drummer, right? Mm -hmm. And so you use drumming in your wellness space. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you use drumming and combine that with mental health? And then we'll go back to your origin story. Okay, well, we'll talk about how I got involved with drumming in my origin story. But nowadays, um, I use drumming for team building. And the way I describe it to people, it's like kind of like a kindergarten classroom where I have adults sitting in a circle and they have my drums and they get to play with me and make music and smile and sweat and pay me. That's my job. And what it does is it's an opportunity for real diversity and inclusion to be put into practice. You know, we can um, talk about different theories and have workshops and engaging sessions, but I like to do things like the difference between a science lecture and a science lab in school. So my, my thing is the lab and in the drumming workshop, we get to practice working together and playing together in the sandbox. And this is interesting because, you know, in my belief, um, the whole purpose of diversity, equity and inclusion efforts or whatever acronym you kind of use in that space, because it changes a lot. It's all about belonging. And that's a basic human need. And so sometimes just reminding people about the why behind it is really important. And so that's how I use drumming in some of my presentations. And you didn't always do this, right? You had other lives like most of us have. Um, and I think your story is so fascinating. It's not an, it must be nice story. It's, it's one that just breaks my heart in a lot of ways, but I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your story and how, how you got to this place of being, you know, an award-winning educator for, you know, adults in corporate spaces to being, um, you know, just this gifted uh, presenter 
and doing this work. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, it starts with uh, my mental health, actually. And oftentimes when we uh, talk about mental health, we're talking about three things, thoughts, feelings, and behavior. You can't see someone's thoughts. We like to think we can perceive each other's feelings, but you can absolutely observe behavior. And my behavior problem started when I was a kid, and it ended up getting me um, expelled from three schools because of my behavior. Um, I mean, it started in fourth grade. I punched a teacher like that. Oh my goodness. Kind of, yeah. Like she spoke down to me. I didn't like it. And I, I was struggling with behavior big time like that. It was such an intense thing. My parents really needed to do something about it. Starting in fourth grade, I was put in my first mental hospital for an extended period of time. So I had, uh, when I was younger, um, extended mental hospital stays three times. Um, I attempted to die by suicide at age 10. So I know that world. And by the time I finished um, 10th grade, been expelled from three schools, hospitalized three times, several suicide attempts, lots of self-harm, violent at home, and on so much medication. I was the poster child for like the ultimate at-risk youth. But um, that summer changed my life because uh, my mom asked me a question. She said, what would make you happy? No one ever asked me that before. And I told her, playing the drums. I just want to stay home and play the drums all day. And my dad said, absolutely not my house. But my mom actually went behind my back and found a performing arts high school that would allow me to play drums most of the day. And when I started drumming most of the school day, my behavior problems went away. My um, acting out went away. I, I started to just really behave and actually have friends. And one day a teacher asked me if um, he could hire me to be in his band. And I was like, whoa, money, like for drumming. And that's when I decided to become a professional drummer. And when I was 18 years old, freshman year of college, I finished my fresh first semester of college. All my friends wanted to go out and celebrate. I couldn't go out and celebrate with my friends because starting at age 18, I was being flown around the country, being paid thousands of dollars to play drums. The career worked and I was a drummer for many years. And it wasn't until I had a breakdown in 2011, another mental health breakdown that I realized I needed to address my mental health. And one of the ways I would do that is talk about it. So it was like a hack on myself. If I talk about it, I have to take care of me. And I decided to combine, this is a very important thing I'm about to say here, combine something. I said, you know what? I have the ability to speak well. My mom always told me that. A public speaking teacher in college said it. I don't like speakers, but I can speak well. I'm a drummer. And I've got mental illness. Those three things put together, try to find someone else in the world with that combination of stuff. I think I got a business idea that's going to really change the world. And so I put it all together and it became my business. And that's the story. That is amazing. Now, I want to go back to this moment, though, in 10th grade, when your mom said, what will make you happy? And you said drums. Had you taken drum lessons in the past? What was it that that sparked that in you? Oh, great question. In fifth grade, I started playing drums. You know, like a kid in school, you know, kids want to do everything, right? So I, I wanted to play drums. And it actually began with Sesame Street um, when I was younger. I used to hear the like, bum, 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 bum. you know, I can imitate that so well because I used to hear that and I love the sound of drums. And I'll never forget holding drumsticks. I was 10 years old and I just, you know, held, held the drumstick and hit the drum. And it was the greatest feeling in the world. I mean, the greatest feeling in the world. And, but you can't play drums all the time. You got to go to school and go home and go to sleep. So, um, you know, I, I kept at it, but I didn't realize that it would become the thing that was responsible for my mental health recovery and ultimately my career. That is amazing. Amazing. And 
I love that the way you describe that moment of holding the drums and just knowing, you know, like Harry Potter getting his wand, right? Like the, his hair blows and his, the lights flicker. And it's just this magical moment. But I've heard a lot of people say when they found their calling, when they found their thing, that that's what it felt like. They just knew instantly that, you know, there was like this soul connection with this thing. So take us forward then to, you said 2011, um, you, you'd been out drumming, you'd been living your dream, doing the thing that would make you happy, but it wasn't quite working on a sustainable level. It sounds like what, what did that process look like? How did you come out of that depression? Well, it was interesting. 2011, I started to have a breakdown and breakdowns look different for me. So there's no one way of describing that. But I like to say I was that person on the streets, that person that was talking to themselves, delusional, yelling and screaming at people. And I remember the police would be coming to my house to look for me because my, my girlfriend that I was living with, I would disappear for days and just not even know where I was. And um, I was spiraling to a bad place. And I ended up calling this woman that I knew who works in mental health. And I'm like, oh, she works in mental health. She can help me get therapy. If not, I'm going to die. So I called her up. I said, hi, Cheryl, it's Mike Vini. And she goes, Mike, what's up? How are you doing? And I said, no, 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 it's not that kind of call. She's oh, so nice to hear your voice. When are we hanging out? And I'm like, oh my God, like she's not listening to me. I'm trying to tell her, you know, I'm struggling. But at the end of the call, she says, you know, can I hire you to be a speaker at my mental health event? I said, no, I don't want to be a speaker um, and talk about mental health. But the next day she- You're uh, all but standing on the bridge ready to jump. Yeah. And, and she's <laughs> inviting you to a stage somewhere. Right. And, and so, so the next day she did what I call adult bullying. And that's where you email somebody and see a bunch of other people they know. And she said, I'd like to hire you to be my speaker. And I said, you know what? Maybe I should do this. It'll save my life. So I put it on the calendar and said, you know, I'm just going to do this. And after I'm done, whatever I want to do with myself, I'm going to do with myself. So I got on stage, literally had a piece of paper and just read my story and cried for like the first time ever, like really cried. And I got a standing ovation and people kept coming up to me going, can I hire you to come to my organization and speak? And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Like, I'm a drummer. What? What? No, go away. <laughs> and I had this serious talk with myself that like, you know, maybe my mental illness is a gift. Maybe it's a gift and I have the opportunity to help others. And so I said, we're going to learn to talk about it. We're going to learn to talk about it to everyone. I'm not going to shut up about it. I'm not going to do this thing of like, oh, you're in this situation. You don't talk about it. No, you're going to hear everything. And I'm going to post my mental health records online. I did every detail because you know what? I needed to feel comfortable with it. And I realized that um, it welcomed so many people into my world um, because I was transparent. And it increased my social circle significantly. Um, it, it was probably one of the best business moves I ever did, actually. And so fast forward to today, my, my little speaking gig evolved into this training company now where we're doing continuing education. And I am uh, going into corporate America, um, major companies. Microsoft brought me in four times in the past year. Um, and so I... Uh, I am all about emotional wellness because emotions for many years, I would just be my emotions, anger, grief, and fear. But what I learned, and this is where actually all of you listening, I just want you all to hear this. You know, I, I learned that anger, grief, and fear were my enemies for most of my life. But 
Anger, grief, and fear are actually three of the best emotions you could ever have. And you absolutely need them for success in life. And that's what I explain to people. You need to chase them. You need to use them. They are three of the best emotions. Don't run away from them. Okay. You're going to have to explain that a little bit deeper. Okay. <laughs> Anger, fear, and grief, because we do, right? We want to take these emotions that are uncomfortable. We want to sideline them. And you're saying, no, no, no. We need to call them over, give them a hug, and then use them. How? Well, first of all, they're uncomfortable, That, but that doesn't make them wrong. Just because something is uncomfortable doesn't make it bad. We just don't like uncomfortable in this world. So we go, no, 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 we got to get you away. You know, fear when you don't deal with it becomes anxiety. If you've got anxiety, it's going to make it a lot worse. But when you learn to actually just feel your fear and not run away from it, not say, I need you to go away, just sit with it, let it in. Um, fear becomes vision and courage but you have to sit with it. If you don't sit with it, it doesn't become vision encouraged. Um, grief. And as I'm talking about grief, I know that many of you listening have experienced a lot of grief over the past year. You know, grief, when you don't deal with it, becomes depression. If you got depression, it's going to make it worse. But when you learn to sit with your grief over time and just feel it fully, as painful as it is, grief eventually becomes joy but you have to be willing to sit with it. Most people don't, they want it to go away. I just want this pain to go away. And anger is my favorite one of all. Anger, I wanna be honest with you, is my favorite emotion. It is the most useful emotion you can have. And for years, I would have to go to anger management. I want my anger to go away. I don't know what the problem is because when we think of anger, we think of hostility and violence. That's the problem with anger. It's not anger. It's we think of hostility and violence. And truth be told, if you go on your phone right now and look at the news, you'll see examples of that. But anger, when you learn to feel it fully and not run away from it and, and, and really just sit in it, anger becomes your power. It becomes passion, decisiveness, and successful leadership. But you have to be willing to sit with it. If you push it away, it becomes all the negative stuff. So nowadays, sometimes even when I'm having a great day and I'm feeling good, it's like, oh, no, no, no. We need to channel one of those other emotions to get something going that I need. So I think it's really important that people learn that, especially as we're navigating such a difficult time in the world where anger, grief, and fear are coming up for everyone in different ways. That is so powerful, Mike. Thank you. And I know that it's a lifetime of work to get to that point, right? And to, to understand the full impact of those words and to feel it and to, you know, to live that. Um, but thank you for giving us a different perspective on those, on those things that a lot of people shy away from. Yeah, thank you. So when you go into corporate spaces, you're not just marrying the drumming and the mental health. You're also doing this in a, in a way that, um, that's vulnerable for you. Um, but you're also going in as, um, you know, as a black man with mental health issues, talking about mental health in the black community, my understanding is that that's not always, um, the most welcome conversation, that there's a lot of pushback within the African-American community, about things like going to therapy or being on medication for mental illness. Um, I'm guessing that you had to struggle with that first in your own community before you could 
then go out into the world and and be a teacher. Absolutely. I, I still struggle with it now from others, meaning, and I, I shouldn't say I struggle with it because you know, he, here's the thing. Whenever you want to talk about something that is personal, that you're afraid to talk about, you know, people say, well, I don't know how someone else is going to react. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to react. And we start to plan our communication around how someone's going to react. Well, I want to be very honest with you as a professional speaker. If you're planning communication or getting a certain reaction, that's technically manipulation. And so it's important when you communicate, you just deliver a message. Like I can't, you know, your listeners, I don't know, they might, you know, get really angry at me for everything I said and come after me. You know, please, if you have to do that, come after me, I guess. Um, but the thing, the thing is, um, you know, it's really important to, to know that. So in the black community, mental health is not something that we are that comfortable talking about. And I want to say something about this too, because when it comes to diversity, we'll hear things like Asian mental health or black mental health or, you know, women's issues or whatever. And people say, well, isn't it just mental health, mental health for everyone? Like, why does it have to be black and Asian? Here's the deal. Yes, everyone deals with mental health stuff, but different communities have some subtle things that happen or have happened that make for some unique discussion around the topic in order to be effective in that community. So when it comes to the black community, one of the issues is we're a culture of honor. What that means is if you, um, I don't know, you and I are walking down the street and someone passes us and says a racial slur to me, I'm gonna be angry. I'm gonna be angry. And at some level, I'm gonna feel like I was disrespected. And in the black community, I'm gonna say black and brown community, being a culture of honor means you don't disrespect yourself. And so we interpret admitting something like, you know, we struggle with depression as though we're disrespecting ourselves. So that's one of the things that's a challenge uh, for that. And with that, years ago, I wrote this article. I decided to look up strong black man on the internet. I wanted a definition for it. I'm like, I've heard this term. I'm black. And I don't even know what it means. I want to, I want to know. And Google's going to tell me the truth. Right. And guess what? There was no definition. I couldn't find it. And I realized that, you know, people throw out terms sometimes without a definition. And so that's an opportunity for the black community to define that for themselves. Um, the other thing that's a challenge in the black community is that faith plays a role for many people, typically the Christian faith. And the Christian faith has its own challenges when talking about mental health, because, um, you know, just it's a difficult subject and, and it's being addressed more. And sometimes it doesn't always flow directly with what they might be teaching, you know? So um, you bring that into the whole black mental health thing. That's a challenge too. But for me in my own community, I have just, I, I do what I do across the board. I just talk about it. You know, I'll tell you, I went to the psychiatrist, what we talked about. And if you don't want to be my friend, that's okay. But what I have found is that when you start that cycle of talking about it, things get better. I just want to bring this up on, on, on the show. Years ago, I was doing a, a presentation. I couldn't get the audience's attention. I, I just couldn't get their attention. And it, it was my Toastmasters club, of course, right? Like my old friends, I couldn't get their attention. <laughs> so and it was a mental health presentation about mental health stigma. And I decided to open the presentation like this. Feel my boobies. Oh, it was awkward. They all looked at me. And then I said, the Feel My Boobies Foundation deals with breast cancer. 
30 years ago, it was called the Big C. Here's some of the work they've done in 30 years. And I did that intentionally to bring it back, but it was this reminder that, you know, we started talking about breast cancer because years ago, no one talked about it. It was like, you know, quiet voice. Now celebrities put their mastectomy pictures online. And, and so when it comes to these difficult topics, repetition is important and just talking about it, just even if it's uncomfortable, it's just doing it. And over time, it becomes normal. Yeah, I think that's important, especially when we're talking about diversity and inclusion topics, mental health issues, all of these topics that have been um, that have been verboten for so long. And what I always challenge people and people say, well, you can't talk about that. I'm like, right. When somebody doesn't want anything to change, the answer is don't talk about it. Right. It was illegal to talk about integration in the South in the 50s. Why? Because racists didn't want anything to change. And they knew if people talked about it, it would change. Um, you know, a lot of women's reproductive issues we're not supposed to talk about because if we talk about it and there's awareness, it'll change. Um, you know, talking about mental health can make some people uncomfortable. It challenges the status quo, it challenges power dynamics and power structures. It challenges the rules that people are supposed to follow. It even challenges rules about who, and please understand when I use this, what I mean, who gets to have mental illness, right? I've had black women tell me, oh, black women aren't allowed to be depressed, right? That's a white woman thing. If you're depressed, you got to be a white woman because black women are just not allowed to be depressed. And it's so much about like, who gets to feel a full range of emotions? Who gets to express a full range of emotions? Who gets to have their problems solved? And if we don't talk about it, none of that stuff happens. Absolutely. And, you know, for a lot of people, there's resistance to this whole topic that we're talking about, you know, and, and actually I'm, I'm gonna be very transparent because I like speaking the truth. I do a lot of work in diversity, equity, inclusion. And sometimes when I hear that term, I roll my eyes. And I realize that, you know, a lot of people just think it's like, you know, the thing that's in season right now that people are talking about. But you know what, as people, we need to evolve. We need to evolve. And that involves having these difficult conversations. And it's not about agreeing with someone else. It's about doing your best to try to understand their humanity. And I think, you know, I, I was doing a diversity presentation recently to a group of white farmers, pretty much. I mean, they, they, that's, they come from the farm and, and they're, many of them are teachers now and they're dealing with students who are students of color and talking about some different things with some different backgrounds. And I, I reminded them that, you know, it's not about saying the right thing because truth be told when it comes to this stuff, what we're saying now, is going to be like um, the worst thing to say in five years. No, you can't say that anymore. It just changes all the time. So don't, don't worry about that. Worry about the fact that we have this opportunity to connect with someone who might be different than us and understand their story. So one of the things I encourage them to do is to ask people who are different than them, what do you see that I don't see? And be willing to listen. Another question you can ask is, how do you think you're perceived by me? Another question is, what do you think we need to be doing that we're not doing? If you ask people like those three questions, first of all, that's hours of conversation right there, but you're really gonna learn something about the human. It's not about agreeing. 
it's about understanding and doing your best to do that with a loving heart. Absolutely. And I'll take that a step further if I may. Go for it. I found, um, and I talk about this a lot, you don't have to understand somebody first. What you have to do first is accept them as they are. Because until you accept them, you can't possibly begin to understand because you'll be fighting your narrative versus their narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's when you say, I accept what you're telling me is true. Let me learn more. Now you can start to understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Mike, I am so glad I sat next to you in the empty chair in the lobby at, at the conference. I, I am just so knocked out by your candor, by your transparency, by your story. And by this world that you're creating of openness and honesty and, um, you know, and dialogue around topics that frankly, people are afraid of, but we know from talking to you that fear is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Something we need to embrace. So if somebody's looking at, at the Mike Vini story and they say, you know what, I've got a pretty unique story too. I think my story might be valuable to other people and I'd like to do that kind of work. Where do you recommend they start? Wow. Um, well, first of all, uh, I think it's important to understand that my journey was unique to me. And uh, sometimes people look at the work speakers do and say, oh, these people just get paid to share their story and they get paid how much? Oh my God, I want to do that. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. I think it's just important to learn to be a better communicator with your story. And the way you can do that easily is through going through an organization like Toastmasters, where you can practice speaking and get evaluated. One thing I love about Toastmasters, and no, they are not paying me to say this, um, is that we all think we're good communicators. We all swear up and down. You know, I was clear with you. Why, why didn't you know? What's your problem? The thing with Toastmasters is you get to get up and do a short little speech on whatever you want, and you get feedback on how you came off, how you communicated. That is so powerful to have because then you'll start to understand different things you need to change and adjust to be a better communicator. And by the way, I do this all the time. I'm constantly looking at my own videos of presentations, sitting there writing like, oh my gosh, please never say that again, Mike. And or or please do this more because it's important not just to just open your mouth and share your story, but learn how to be the best communicator that you can so you can help someone through your story. Absolutely. And I think even for people who don't want to be speakers, if you just want to be a better leader, if you want to be a better spouse, a better parent, a better partner, a better employee, a better customer service professional, Toastmasters is a really good, probably the best experiential learning you can get for the money because you're constantly practicing these skills, listening first, right? You go in, you have to listen. You have to learn to manage time. You learn to give feedback. You learn to receive feedback without getting defensive. You learn to communicate. You learn to manage other people. You learn to manage conflict. There are so many lessons that happen in that hour meeting. Um, If you've never been to a Toastmasters meeting, you should go. If you think you want to be involved and you don't have one at your place of employment, start a club. Um, there, there are so many benefits, um, to being involved in an organization like Toast, well, specifically Toastmasters, 
Um, but that's really where you go to learn, you know, how to speak. But there's more to having a speaking business than just being a good communicator. Absolutely. And so um, I'm wondering, where else do you go? I know you, you're a member of National Speakers Association. Where else do you go for community? in this work, because it can be very lonely to be out here, rocket man on the plane, you know, <laughs> going to 50 different cities in a, in a year and, you know, not sleeping in your own bed. I mean, it's kind of, it, it, I would imagine it's akin to the work you were doing as a drummer, right. Where you're flying all over the country, put on a show, get on a plane, going to the next city. So how do you I'm, stay grounded? Well, well, first of all, from the business side of things, you know, any kind of thing you want to start, you know, we're in a world where you can start it, but it's important to embrace the journey in a healthy way. Um, I have been fortunate to grow my business, but I approach it a little bit different. I'm about to say something that's going to get people really uncomfortable, but it's one of the best lessons I ever learned. Um, I try to be the stupidest person in the room, not be with people that are equals. I want to be the stupidest. I want to feel intimidated. Like I just don't belong there. If you're not hanging out with people that intimidate you, you're not going to grow. And a lot of times we want to be the superstar in the room because that's what we're taught in school. It gives us validation. But in order to grow, you know, you need to struggle. So I have a lot of mentors around me that, I mean, I feel like a child who just never has his homework fully done. And people on my team are just constantly getting on my case. and I'm open. Okay. Okay. I'll do it because they're challenging me. The people that work for my company challenge me, challenge me to be a better person. And so that's important to have. And it helps my mental health because ultimately it's love that comes through. But, you know, I uh, have a wife and she's wonderful and supports me. She travels too for work. So the both of us and a puppy, we have a puppy and he, well, he's got a lot of mental problems we're learning. And uh, <laughs> so maybe at some point I'll start doing puppy mental health events. Like seriously, he's got some, he's got this trigger with deer, by the way, he's quiet all the time, but if he sees a deer, oh my gosh, I don't know what happened in a previous lifetime or when he was younger with deer. But the thing is, um, you know, having support is important. And also that means getting rid of the wrong people in your life. So, you know, we sometimes end up in relationships where we just, you know, we think we've known the person so long, we have to take their call, they bring us down. You got to get stuff. I have a no negativity rule. I don't have time for it. So if someone is just bringing me down, whether it be a friend or family member, I want to love you from far away. And that's my rule. And, and you'd be surprised that it attracts the right people into your life very quickly if you're willing to have the courage to do that. So those are some ways that I um, get support. But ultimately, then the thing I wanted to bring up uh, is self-care. I take care of myself. So when I travel, like let's say I'm in three states in a week, which is normal. One of the first things I do after my flight is book is book a gym membership maybe three gym memberships. So you see me land in Alabama at eight o'clock at night and go into some bodybuilding gym that's like on a farm or something. But I do it so I can prioritize my exercise. When I go to the hotel room, one of the first things I look for is which chair is going to be my meditation chair so I can do my meditation twice a day. So it's important to be intentional about your self-care if you want to do a career like this where you're moving around and traveling is actually very relaxing for me. I think that's wonderful. And I need to be better about those things. I tend to, you know, people talk about what's on TV. I go to a hotel room. I don't remember the last time I turned on TV in the hotel because I just enjoy the quiet, right? I'm 
I love my family, but I like my breaks. <laughs> and so I just enjoy the quiet. I just sit there. I'll read. I'll do, but I don't, I don't force myself to go for walks. I don't force myself to exercise. And I tell myself lies like, well, you know, I'm in a strange city and I don't feel safe when really there's a treadmill in the basement of the hotel, right. That I could totally go to. So <laughs> I, uh, I admire your self-discipline in that respect, because I just, I have yet to, I have yet to shore that up for myself, but Mike, I'm so grateful, so grateful to have you in my network. I'm so grateful that you're out here doing this work and helping people, you know, embrace these things that may be uncomfortable, but that are so necessary for growth and success. Any final words you want to leave our audience with today? Well, thank you for having me on your show and thank you all for tuning in. And I just want to encourage all of you as we navigate this next normal that's constantly shifting it's really important to take care of your mental well-being and it's important to be proactive about that and even be more proactive than you think you can be on it because that's going to be the thing that gets us through this because we don't know what's going to happen these days and that's why i've been actually looking at this time as a beautiful opportunity for all of us to practice self-care if we choose to see it through that lens. But yeah, if you'd like to learn more about me, you can find me on the on the interweb, on, on the Facebook, on the Twitter. Um, my name is Mike Vini. It's spelled M-I-K-E, V like in Victor, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Y as in yellow. And please reach out if I can ever be of help to you. And we will put your links in the show notes. We'll make sure everybody knows how to find you on uh, LinkedIn, on Facebook, and wherever else you are. Mike, thank you so much. Thank you. How much did you love Mike? What I loved about this interview is that Mike is always, in the conversations that I've had with him, he's always been so vulnerable, so open, and really challenges me to think about my own mindfulness, my own feelings, my own assumptions in a new way, in a more productive way. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Living Corporate and share us with your friends and colleagues. And hey, you can really help us out by leaving us a six-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe you're thinking I'm a little off because there are only five stars in the app. That's okay. Give us all those stars, but then go the next step by leaving a couple of sentences in your own words, telling us what you like about the episode or the series. Don't forget to visit living-corporate.com to learn more about our other podcasts, videos, web shows, and more. See It To Be It is brought to you in part by Lead At Any Level, a certified woman and LGBTQ-owned business dedicated to helping organizations win the competition for talent and customers for the long term. Lead at any level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. That's it for this episode of See It To Be It. This is Amy C. Wanninger, and I'll see you next week. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? 
Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.